the way that advertising agencies, for example, is structured now is still based on like the Mad Men era of like where billboards and print only existed. So we have an art director and a copywriter on every project, but we don't have a sound person. We don't have a sound director, you know? And so much of the way that we can, we interact with the world now or quote consume content is through audio. And so anyways, I think it's just about, um, thinking about us as humans and how we intake information and interact with external things in our world and audio is just always there. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with Sam Parvin. My next guest helps senior-level brand marketers use and execute music strategically to create a stronger brand that also creates value for their consumers. She's a globally awarded music supervisor for brands like Coca-Cola, Maker's Mark, Corona, and GMC. She's also passionate about sharing her very specialized expertise in navigating the music licensing space to help people inspire the world through their marketing communications. Her name is Sam Parvin. And if you've been wondering how you can use music to enhance what your brand offers to the world, this is definitely going to be an interesting discussion to listen to. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. And if you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And now, without further ado, here's my interview with Sam Parvin. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sam. I really appreciate you taking the time because it sounds like you are super busy. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But um, I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be a great conversation. I'm glad. Thanks for having me, Jody. Thanks for being here. Uh, I usually like to start out these discussions with a sort of um, question that might induce a story, maybe. So I'm going to ask you if you have an early memory of sound that moved you. You know, this is actually um, a sound that I've been thinking about a lot lately. For some reason, Mm -hmm. it's been coming up a lot. Um, I used to go visit my grandparents in Florida during the holidays. And um, my grandfather was a big golfer. And, um, you know, later years, he didn't golf, but he loved to watch it. And there's always a tournament on TV. And I would sit and watch the golf tournaments with him and usually fall asleep like a cat napping in the sun like I can just remember like the sun coming through the windows and me just dozing off in his lap because you know I'm actually a golfer and I love golf but watching golf can be quite boring so uh, (laughs) I would end up uh, falling asleep in grandpa's lap listening to the commentators of golf and and actually listening to the like the guys like whacking the ball and I just <laughs> that um, the commentating of golf and the whole sound around golf. Um, I've been thinking about a lot lately and um, and also thinking about my grandfather. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something that moved me from an early age. Wow. Early ASMR. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> 
Seriously. Yeah. And I think um, I get sleepy now anytime I watch a golf tournament because, you know, it's like the, <laughs> the announcer voices. Yeah, yes, it's like very the calming. <laughs> dogs tuning fork. Like, you're my very husband's sleepy. a golfer, so Is I get he? it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you get how boring it can be to watch it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I get both sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a fun sport to play, though. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he really enjoys it. I haven't played, but uh, I can understand how he likes it. So yeah. that's good. It's, it's a nice long walk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If nothing Wonderful. else. So, you know, that doesn't seem to be more of a, a musical memory, but how did you get interested in doing what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so... An early music memory would be my very first concert. I remember going to the Bonnie Raitt and Lyle Lovett concert with my parents. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yes, that I think I was like six. I also mm-hmm. fell asleep there. So I met, I, I might have had mild uh, narcolepsy as a child. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, my, I, I come from a family of mus- of just absolute music lovers, not not necessarily musicians. Like we kind of have all dabbled in, in, in being musicians, but mostly just music lovers. And um, when I was like 17, I started promoting shows for concerts in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm from. And I wasn't old enough okay. to go to those. And by promoting, I mean like passing out paper flyers on the side okay. of the street. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure I got paid a little bit of money for it. So it was a job. And, um, but you know, I wasn't even old enough to go to the shows cause they would be at, you know, 18 and up or 21 and up, uh, venues. Sure. And, uh, even then I was just fascinated by the business side of music. I think, um, it was just an obvious thing that music is really important to people and to me in my life. Um, and I'm a, but I'm a, I'm a very curious person. And so I wanted to know the inner workings of like, of, of how the industry works. So, um, so that's, that's kind of where it started. And I actually studied the business of art in college to learn how to, you know, manage, um, uh, artistic businesses. And I always knew at that point, I had a lot of friends in that program who did, you know, who are like executive directors of performing arts organizations or run art galleries or things like that. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do the music side of things. So I didn't realize I was that person back then. I didn't realize I was the person who always knew what I wanted to do. But now I, you know, in retrospect, it's like, oh yeah, like music has always been my path. Yeah. So is that what made you start a company that deals in music licensing? Do you do more than music licensing? Is it? I do. Um, well, I'm what people call a music supervisor. Okay. So um, my I act as an agent for the brands. So my my clients um, are are specifically brands, and um, we do license music for them. But really, I'm helping them figure out what music they should put in there communications. Ah, that's a good Um, question. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes it's licensing a piece of music, which means I'll help with that. I'll help with figuring out what the budget should be and negotiating the deal and all of the usage rights that we need. Um, I also will go out and find the right song if we're not sure what song we already want. Sometimes it's music from independent musicians, sometimes famous songs from major record labels or publishers. Uh, we compose a lot of music. Um, sometimes it's like an orchestral score, or sometimes it is a pop song with lyrics from a, you know, touring talented musician, um, and anything and everything in between. So um, 
again, I, I really like my clients typically come to me and they say, you know, we've got this new project. Here's what we're trying to achieve with it. We know we need music help, you know, and so I help them think kind of with, with the whole thing. Um, but I really started my company. Um, I, I think the turning point for me was I worked at, uh, as the global music consultant for the Coca-Cola company in their headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia Okay. for yeah. four years. And, um, there I really, you know, we were a team of three scrappy young kids who were working with the best marketers in the world, like literally people who had gotten hired and, and brought to the headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia from Paris and Johannesburg and Tokyo and Mexico City, you know. And anyway, we so we were helping them do music better in many different ways. Um, but a huge part of that was selecting the music, you know, for, for their communications and also negotiating deal structures would ha- that would have them, would have music be an asset for them versus a liability. Um, and there, because I really got into the marketing and branding world of things and also music, um, I saw an opportunity for brands to mainly structure the way that they handle music differently to be more effective and also efficient. So effective, you know, from a creative extent of like connecting with their consumers in a more powerful way. Um, And then, you know, efficient in the way that they, you know, how much they pay for music, the usage rights that they get, being able to use pieces of music in multiple countries, et cetera. And so fast forward, um, (laughs) well, I started a company with four other business partners in the U.S. doing this work, and after a year, got fired from my own company. What? What <laughs> I happened? I think it's important. Look, it's important to tell these stories. Okay, sure, I got fired. Yeah, yeah. It's a success story in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what happened? Um, you know, after a year, so I had kind of, I really wanted to live in another country. I was already working a lot with Coca-Cola, Mexico City, um, or Mexico. And saw this opportunity to to move to Mexico and build business here. And I kind of created that possibility with my business partners at the time. Um, and I moved to Mexico and I was hustling. Like I was just hustling, trying to get jobs from new, you know, people who didn't know who we were. Um, some of the people did know who we were because I had worked with them, you know, before with my, with, with Coke. Um, but, you know, we were starting from scratch and um, needed to build trust and, and also I was getting to see the market and how, you know, it just works very differently than the way that the U.S. does. And so after my struggling for a long time and my business partners, you know, seeing that it really, you know, whatever, we just we just saw the differences in the ways that we wanted to do things and also the ways that we were going to need to do things for the ways that each of us wanted to build our businesses, right? And we had our Tuesday afternoon, you know, let's review our pipeline and and projects call. And they said, Sam, we're not having our normal Tuesday call today. We love you. And this is not working for you. And this is not working for us. We don't think you should be a member of the company anymore. Hmm. And I was able to, you know, stop and listen, you know, versus defending myself. Because I had plenty of ways I could defend myself. I was busting my butt 
But I was also seeing that the way that they wanted to grow their business was not really aligned with how I was discovering that I would like to run my business. Again, this is my first company. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast, like Elaine Grant, who called the show insightful, practical, eye-opening. As a veteran public radio producer and host, she says, and now an entrepreneur running a podcast consultancy, I thought I knew about the world of audio. Truth is, I knew just a small slice of this big and important world. I've learned so much from every episode. I need to re-listen and furiously take notes. I can't recommend audio branding highly enough. Thank you for taking the time to leave your comment, Elaine. It means so much to me. And now, back to the show. So what were the differences? I'm curious. Well, you know, I mean, one thing is just, you know, we were five business partners and we had That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we had a an office in Chicago, a studio in LA, a studio in New Orleans, and we had to pay for all that stuff. And we had five people who were splitting our time, you know. So in the early days, it was kind of just like grab all the jobs that you can get, you know. And I that for me like I really now still, I work with a small roster of clients and I like to go deep, you know, and it was hard for me to juggle many jobs and not be able to go deep and finish a project and see that I left opportunities on the table because I didn't have the bandwidth, you know, and so, um, being a you know an, a company owned by one person, you really get to choose the projects you work on. My you know my overhead is lower, um, so it's it's more for me about the creative and the impact than about growing the business. Sure, I was going to ask you what makes you different from other music companies, but you've kind of explained that. <laughs> yeah, that's totally it. I mean, I really go deep with my clients. I mm-hmm. this is also kind of a personality trait. Just to like finish that particular question, <laughs> sure. yeah. Um, this is like a personality trait too. I think that like I even like I get involved sometimes where it's like not my responsibility, not in a, not in a bad way, but like, I see this opportunity. I'm like, guys, okay, like let's pull this person in, you know, um, because look, there's this opportunity here that's going to link in with what we're doing. That's going to, um, you know, make this project even more powerful. So I think, yeah, I mean, I really go deep, um, with my clients and for that, I, you know, because of that, I keep my roster of clients, um, small and, um, Really make sure that you know we have uh, we always have a, a a detailed conversation up front before we start doing work to make sure that I'm going to be able to help them achieve what it is that they need to achieve, and mm-hmm. that I'm clear on what it is that they need to that they want to achieve, and that they're clear on what it is that they want to achieve with music. Sure, you know, yeah. And I mean, just to you know, my my former business partners are dear friends of mine. <laughs> one of them, their their company's going well, and one of them is starting another company, and we're having a call this week, so he can kind of brainstorm. We can brainstorm together and stuff. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, they've they've had some great success and are um, extremely talented people in our field. So that's wonderful. <laughs> it's good to keep in touch with them and and be yeah. happy for their successes of as course. well. Yeah, we, and we yeah. totally support each other. You know, like. It's a small industry. (laughs) It is a small industry. And 
when you find people who really know, because it's such a niche too, you know, when you find people who really know their stuff, I just want to keep those people close and support them, you know, and and they support me too. So, yeah. Well, uh, along those lines, because all of you are dealing with this at the same time, I'm imagining, why do you think music is important to a production? I mean, what does this accomplish for the brands that you're working for? Well, you know, music is important to humans. Well, yes, definitely. (laughs) I agree with you there. And so music is, you know, I think sometimes we end up using words like consumer and target and things like that, you know. Impersonal things. Impersonal things. And at the end of the day, we're speaking to a human and Mm -hmm. humans are emotional beings. And, you know, we, we need to see ourselves as the quote target, you know, and, um, and music is just a way, I mean, it's such a way to relate to a human being, you know? And so using music in a, in a production just, kind of seems like a given to me. I mean, I get that not all brands are connecting with people on an emotional level, um, but we can't ignore sound. And I think... Very true. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people maybe don't even think about the impact that sound has on us, but... um, you can close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, mean, it's a good technically, point. I guess you could, but yeah, <laughs> it's a good point, you know. And so, I, it's funny that we're even still having this conversation. That you have an entire podcast dedicated to the importance of audio, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, as far as it goes in the branding and advertising world, you know, the, the way that advertising agencies, for example, is structured now is still based on like the Mad Men era of like where billboards and print only existed. So we have an art director and a copywriter on every project, but we don't have a sound person. We don't have a sound director, you know? And so much of the way that we can, we interact with the world now or quote consume content is through audio. And so anyways, I think it's just about, um, thinking about us as humans and how we intake information and interact with external things in our world. And audio is just always there and music is very often there. And so that's why it makes sense to have, or why it's important to have music in a production. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. 
And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. So uh, again, that would make it important for the higher ups in that company to be involved in that discussion from the beginning. Is that correct? Oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of what I do is, yeah, I, I work directly with brands. I do. I also work with their agencies when it comes to like execution and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, it's very important for, yeah, senior level marketers, the people who own the purpose and personality of that brand who own what that, who that brand is in the world. Who know what the DNA is. Yeah. yeah. It is really important for them to be clear on what, on, on the audio aspect of that, you know, who that brand is for the world. Um, not that they need to be the person who's actually like executing on, cause you know, obviously, but it just needs to be clear internally. And this is, that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with my clients. Often very informal, just me asking them why, you know, and like, it's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) Me asking like, where has your brand been and where are you going and what are Mm -hmm. you, you know, what do you accomplish? Like what value do you provide for the consumer? Um, And then sometimes it's more formal. Like I do um, do some workshops with clients and actually, um, through your portal, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna send you a digital worksheet that people can fill out that actually helps them begin to create their music strategy um, or music, you know, DNA or point of view or whatever you want to call it. Sure, I appreciate <clears throat> some that. Some steps that, yeah, some steps that they can walk through that will even just, you know, start to 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 ask some of the questions and then they can start having those conversations internally, right? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the people who are in charge of or own what who the brand is for the world um, should also be clear on what that looks like from a from a music and, and generally audio perspective. And um, and then once that is kind of solidified, then you communicate it down to all of the people working on the brand, including your agencies and production companies and directors and yeah. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.